Imagine starting your day, not just with a cup of coffee or a quick glance at your phone, but with a powerful assurance that today can be extraordinary. Picture yourselves stepping into each moment, fueled not just by your plans and efforts, but by a divine promise of guidance and blessing. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. My friends, in the quiet moments of our mornings lies a precious opportunity to shape the hours ahead with hope, grace, and intention. It is in these serene early moments that we find our hearts most open to the whispers of God and where our souls are most receptive to his guiding hand. Let us reflect on the words from Psalm 118, verse 24, which says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This verse isn't just a statement. It's an invitation to align our hearts with a spirit of gratitude and joy. It reminds us that each day is a divine gift, intricately woven with possibilities and opportunities for us to discover and embrace. As we pray for a good day, we are not merely asking for favorable circumstances. We are also seeking to tune in our hearts to the beauty and blessings that each day holds. When we approach our day with prayer, we are not just hoping for the best. We are placing our trust in the one who holds all our days in his hands. We acknowledge that our own strength is limited, but in God, we find an unlimited source of strength, wisdom, and peace. Therefore, our prayer becomes a powerful testament to our faith a declaration that we choose to rely on God's promises and his unfailing love to guide us through the day. As we face the unknowns of the day with courage, we ask not just for the absence of trouble, but for the presence of God's peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace becomes our steady companion, guiding our thoughts, words, and actions turning ordinary moments into extraordinary encounters with God's grace. As we seek God for a good day, we seek to align our will with God's will. It is in this sacred exchange that we find the essence of a truly good day, one that is not measured merely by worldly successes, but also by how closely we walk with the Lord. It's about seeing his hand in every detail, feeling his presence in every challenge and hearing his voice in the quiet whispers of our hearts. So, my friends, 
Let us come together in prayer, not only wishing for a better day, but as a powerful act of faith and surrender. Let us pray with hearts, full of hope, trusting that God is with us, guiding our steps and turning every day into a testament of his love and faithfulness. Today, as we seek a good day, let's remember that it begins here, in this moment of prayer, where heaven touches earth and your heart finds true joy in the Lord's embrace. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Heavenly Father, Creator of the heavens and earth, I come before you with a heart full of praise and thanksgiving. Your majesty and glory are beyond comprehension, and your love for us is unending. I exalt your holy name and acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and in your presence I find true peace and fulfillment. Lord, I thank you for this new day, a precious gift from your generous hands. I am grateful for the breath in my lungs, the strength in my body, and the opportunities that lie ahead. Your mercies are new every morning, and your faithfulness is as boundless as the sky. For the love and grace that you have given to me and my loved ones, I am eternally thankful. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. As I stand in your presence, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, both known and unknown. Cleanse my heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness or resentment. For in forgiveness, I find freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare victory over my day. I seek your guidance and wisdom in every decision I make. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Enlighten my mind with your divine insight and help me discern your will in all things. In every conversation, every interaction, in every choice, let your wisdom be my guide. Lord, I ask for your strength and courage. In moments of weakness, be my fortress. When I face trials and tribulations, be my rock. Let your courage fill my heart, enabling me to overcome obstacles and stand firm against the winds of adversity. I'm grateful that in your strength I can achieve all things. For with you all things are possible. I pray for your peace to surround me today. Let it guard my heart and mind. In the midst of chaos, let your peace reign. Let it be a beacon of hope 
to those around me, a testament to your calming presence in my life. Protect me, Lord, from all harm. Be my shield and defender against the schemes of the enemy. Keep me and my loved ones safe under the shadow of your wings. Deliver us from all evil and lead us away from temptation. Protect us in our going out and our coming in, today and forevermore. I pray for health and well-being, not just for myself, but also for my loved ones. Heal us from every sickness and disease. Mend what is broken within us and revive what has grown weary. I thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician, the healer of all our ailments, and in your hands there is restoration and peace. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, and I claim that promise over our lives today. I pray for deliverance from the spirits of fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and discouragement, and ask for your powerful intervention to break these chains and set me free in the name of Jesus. Lord, prosper the work of my hands. Open doors of opportunity and bless my goals and aspirations. May your abundance flow in my life and let me be a blessing to others. In your loving kindness, I ask that you meet my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, fill me with your love and compassion. Let me be a vessel of your grace, showing kindness and understanding to everyone I encounter. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke all forms of attacks by the enemy. I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I bind the spirit of delay, disappointment, and stagnation in the name of Jesus. I rebuke bonds of oppression and any plans of the enemy to derail your purpose for my life. Lord, as I say this prayer together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. As we come in agreement, praying for each other, let your Holy Spirit move among us, touching every life, healing every wound, and fulfilling every need. In your infinite grace, we ask that you align your blessings to meet us right where we are. May your favor be upon us. May your protection surround us, and may your peace dwell within us. We declare that everything is working for us and not against us. Deliver us from all accidents and negative incidents. We are grateful that your goodness and mercies shall follow us all the days of our lives. Gracious Lord, we pray that you will help us to have a good day today. We claim victory over our challenges, declare healing over our bodies, and we thank you for your unwavering protection. As this day ends, we return with hearts full of thankfulness 
for every lesson learned, for every blessing received, we give you glory. Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us, comfort us, and empower us in all our ways. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word amen in the comments section. When all foundations have been shaken When I'm left standing in the dark And all I feel is my heart breaking You still reign and you're still God And when it feels all hope is
My message is entitled, The Wolf is at the Door. The Wolf is at the Door. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I thank you, Lord, for the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit that gives us new hearts, Lord, so that we can stretch out beyond our limitations and be ambassadors of you and your word to all who can still hear. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for courage and compassion today, God, to speak things that need to be spoken in this generation. Help us, Lord, as a church, never to back away from truth. Help us to go forward and let it fall where it may. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. The wolf is at the door. Isaiah chapter 53. Prophet Isaiah says these words. Who has believed our report? Beginning at verse 1. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it's, it's so important before we even begin to look at this passage of Scripture to understand that it was a religious system that crucified Christ. You know, we understand that the Roman authorities were the instruments of his death, but it was the religious order of the day created by God's own people that put the Son of God on a cross. There were leaders in that generation, and they had... They had used their position over the people to garner titles for themselves. They had adorned themselves in righteous robes as they saw it. And they, they loved to parade among the people, as Jesus said, and be called master, teacher, teacher, teacher in the marketplace. But Jesus himself came in a form that he did not take on this form of grandeur that men give to themselves. And also, too, they created a system of salvation that was much wider and much more inclusive than the one that God had given to us. As a matter of fact, it was so narrow that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. They were so offended when he challenged their religious system because they had, they had created this wide door into eternal life and eternal bliss with God that doesn't exist. All kinds of people were coming into the temple defiled and going out defiled. They were living in manners and ways that the Bible clearly indicated would leave them excluded from the kingdom of God forever. And so in comes this man. He's not interested in their system. He's not trying to garner one of their titles. He's not doing things their way. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. 
He's not dressed in righteous robes. He's, he's not got boxes on his forehead. He's not walking around with tassels on his arms. He's not parading like some rooster before the people, talking about how close to God he actually is. They despised him and rejected him because he challenged the religious system. They had created a system of redemption that did not exist. Do you understand? And that's the propensity of humankind. The original sin in the Garden of Eden is that we can be as God is. Remember, we can, we can become judges of what's good and what's evil. And if you take that to its logical extension, we can start declaring things that are, that are God forgives when he doesn't. We can start declaring behaviors righteous when they're not. We can start telling people they're going to heaven when they aren't. That is the grave, grave danger of religion. When humankind in its sin nature is allowed to take it and so twist it and so pervert it that it becomes something that God never intended it to be. Can you imagine sitting in a place as a professed or supposed believer in Christ only to end up at the throne of God one day to find out you've been outside the whole thing all along? What a tragedy that's going to be for so many. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. There was a, a heaviness in the heart of the Son of God as he looked on the people as sheep without a shepherd. But we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And we are, of course, reliving the scripture again in great measure in our day. In many, many places, even where God's people are gathering, the word of God is despised. And we are now gravitating to fancy preachers who have opened the door real wide to people who are not going to heaven, giving them false peace when they're not at peace with God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things are what passed away and behold, all things are become new. If, if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, that means a new value system. It means a new heart. It means a new mind. It means a new way of speaking, thinking, living. It means that what God says is good is good, and what God says is evil is evil. We don't try to change that. We accept that from the Word of God. Now, this message is given to shepherds to bring us not only to the knowledge of our salvation, but to the freedom which Christ bought for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his beating, as it is, that he took on the cross, we are healed. The old things don't have power over us anymore unless we choose to let them. The old ways of living, speaking, thinking, doing are broken. And we become new creations in Christ. We are able to look back and say, thank God, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not everything that I hope to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be, and thank God I'm going to be one day what Christ is calling me to be. So there's this constant moving forward in the life of a genuine believer, leaving an old way of thinking, an old way of living, an old way of speaking, and moving to truth, even when it's painful. The book of Proverbs says a righteous person swears to their own hurt and doesn't change. In other words, I say I'm going to do this and I do it because God's word says I should even if it causes me pain. And I don't turn from it. Now Paul was this kind of a shepherd. He, 
He didn't hold back, as I said earlier. This is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 31. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, and this is the cry of my heart. If anyone here today, hearing my voice, ends up in hell, let it not be my fault. Let it never be because I didn't declare to you the whole counsel of God, or I didn't warn you of something that had the power to drag you down into eternal darkness. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says, For this I know, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, he said, day and night with tears. Paul said there's going to be wolves that are going to come and they're all already, there's packs of them now. It's not just a few, there's many now in our generation. And they're going to come to devour the sacrifice of Christ and the promise of new life through him. They're going to promise you liberty, as the scripture says in the New Testament, but they themselves are the slaves to corruption. They're promising something they, they're not experiencing themselves and they can't deliver it. Listen to what Jude says, the last book of the New Testament before the book of the Revelation. Verse 3 says, Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here's what the wolves do. They teach that you can live a lifestyle against the word of God and still claim heaven as your eternal home. That is the wolf that's now at the door of the Christian church in America. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. That means people who engage in sexual intercourse outside of the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman. Fornicators are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Settle it. It's in the word of God. Don't be deceived into thinking you can live in a moral lifestyle and heaven will still be your home. So hard for this generation to hear. 
When you've got preachers standing in pulpits saying, well, God understands your need and God is a God of love and God won't send anybody to hell. No, that's not true. God is a God of love. We know that. But the Bible tells us that fornicators have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Nor idolaters, people who have other loves in there. Something that is in your life that, that is, is, is your whole obsession. Churches or Christ is just a little part of your life, but there's something else in your life that you're pursuing. Nor adulterers, people who engage, who are married, but engage in... You know, today we take words like adultery and we call it an extramarital affair, as if it's a black tie event. You know, you are invited to an extramarital affair next Friday at 5 o'clock. Bible calls it adultery. Adultery. Settle it. Deal with it. The sex outside of marriage will keep you outside of the kingdom of God. And sex outside of the bonds of the person that you are married to, the, wife, the man or woman you're married to, will also keep you outside of the kingdom of God, unless it's repented of. Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. In other words, that's both, men and women. Folks, listen. I understand the dilemma, in a sense, uh, that some might face in same-sex attraction. But I'm telling you, you can't give in to that lifestyle on any level. Because the Bible clearly says it will leave you outside the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said some people are eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, some people just live their lives without any sexual activity for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he said, whoever can hear this, let them hear it. You know, you can, you go to a funeral, for example. And you can dress it up with flowers all around, and you can, there's a death certificate. And the preacher can get up and say nice words. But the reality is that the corpse is still dead. You can't make it live. It doesn't matter what you do. And it's the same with homosexual marriage, folks. I've got to say it straight out today. I'm not going to hold back on it. You can adorn it with flowers. You can get a certificate from City Hall. You, you can find some backslidden preacher to say nice words about it. But the wages of sin is still death. You can't change that. Now listen, I'll be called a hater for, for this message today. I understand that. But I'm not a hater. If I hated you, I'd let you go to hell. If I hated you, I'd let you die in your sin. If I walk down the street and your house is on fire and you're up in your bedroom window and I don't warn you, am I really a good neighbor? Do I really love you? Do I really care about your eternal destiny? You can curse me out of your bedroom window all you want, but I will still warn you that your house is on fire for your soul's sake. Nor thieves. Lest we should think that we're just going to focus on one thing. Nor thieves. That means people who steal. It's that simple. People who steal. People who steal a little. They have a contract maybe and steal a little bit more than they should. Income tax time is coming around, folks. Are you going to pay your taxes? <laughs> nor covetous. Nor drunkards. People who come to church this morning, but you were out at a club last night. 
You're drinking and dancing and, and this foolishness. I'm out there to share the testimony of Christ. Who are you kidding? If you really are there to do that, stand on the sidewalk with pamphlets in your hand and give it to the drunks coming out of the club. You don't need to be in there with them. No revilers. You know, especially in, in this environment we're now living in, in this country at this time, where reviling has is is, is become the speech of the day, where it's, it's fashionable just to curse everybody around you. You know, Paul said revilers don't inherit the kingdom of God. We have a different heart. We have a different spirit. We're, we're a different kind of people. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that. Would be to God that I can honestly say that of everybody here today. Such were some of you. But you are sanctified. That means you are set apart for the kingdom of God. You are, you, 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 you honestly repented. You walked away. You moved away from what God's word says is wrong. You can't make it right. You can't change it. It doesn't matter if a million people say, oh, isn't this wonderful? If God's word says it's not, it's not. You are sanctified. You walked away. You walked away from these old ways of thinking, these old behaviors and all of these things. And you set yourself apart for the kingdom of God. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now you and I are living in an hour where the wolf is heading to the door of the church. Demanding in our generation that we bow down to this new definitions of good and evil. This is where we're living. The days of being able to say without penalty what I'm saying today are are over if they're not if they're not over they're very close to over it's an amazing time that we're now living in jesus said in john chapter 10 i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep but a hireling who is not the shepherd one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. This is the point. There's a lot of hirelings and a lot of pulpits in America today. And they're, they're, they don't necessarily leave the people, but they leave biblical truth. They flee the truth when the wolf is at the door. When the wolf says, if you don't bow down, this is our golden statue. This is what this generation is going to look like. This is what you'll preach. These are the truths that you will espouse. They will bow down when the music plays to save themselves because it's always been about themselves, not about the people. The hireling will flee. And you, will, you are seeing and you will see a huge departure from biblical truth in the Christian church in this last hour we're living in. The Bible declares that there's going to be an apostasy, a great falling away in the last days from biblical truth. And the hirelings will lead the people, not into the narrow way of eternal life, but into that broad way of destruction. And they flee because it's always done about them. It's been about the robes. It's been about the praises of man. It's been about the titles. It's been about the numbers. It's been about the apparent evidences of success. Then when Christ comes and challenges them, they hate him. His own system hated him. His own people hated him. 
They pushed him away because he declared their definitions of salvation and truth to be bankrupt. He told them they were full of dead men's bones. He said, you go across land and sea to get one convert and you make him twice the child of hell that you've become. These are the words of Christ. He warned us in the last days there would be a great falling away. He warned us. He said, you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You can't escape that. That's a promise in the word of God. We're going to be hated. It's starting now. You're seeing it in society. You're seeing it in the workplace. You can't even have an opinion on things anymore in this generation that we're now living in. Let me say it clearly now. Abortion. For the cause of birth control. Or, or so the pe- I understand there are extenuating circumstances. So please don't misquote me on this. But for the cause of just birth control. Or for the cause of having sexual pleasure. And not having to deal with the life that it can create. Is sin. In the sight of a holy God. It's a terrible sin in the sight of a holy God. In America today, the deliberate gender confusing of our children in grade school is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our high schools, forbidding our children to pray and creating this fictitious division between the state and the church, which doesn't exist. If you really study it, you'll understand it never existed. It was created by the godless. Forbidding our children to pray in our schools is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our colleges, allowing godless professors to rise up and mock God and radicalize a whole generation against even their own nation that was founded by God for the purpose of being able to worship according to the word of God and freely by conscience is sin in the sight of a holy God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let this society despise him. Let them consider him ordinary. Let them rebel against his words. But this day, as Joshua once said, if it be hard to follow the Lord, that's your choice. Choose this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the grace of God, we will not bow before the wolf in this generation. By the grace of God, we will stand for the truth of God. By the grace of God, we will pray again. We will pray again as a church age. By the grace of God, we will stand up unashamed for the truth of Jesus Christ. We stand on the side of victory. We stand on the side. We stand on the side of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory.
And as uh, David the king once did, we will stand in this generation against the lion and the bear and everything that comes in to devour our children and to devour the people of God. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. It's time for the people of God to fight back. It's time for us to begin to pray. It's time to run for public office. It's time for teachers to speak. It's time. It's time for the people of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory, 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 glory. The true shepherds of God in this generation are going to care more for the people than for their own safety. More than our own reputation. It's not going to be an easy road. But I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up this generation to darkness. I'm going to stand because the Word of God stands forever. The opinions of men are like grains of sand on the seashore. They'll fall into nowhere. But the Word of God abides forever. Now here's where I conclude. If you're living in sin, I plead with you, while there's still time, turn. Turn from it. And trust God for the strength. I know there's some sitting here or listening online or they're in the annex and they say, you don't know how deep the bondage is. You don't know how powerful the draw is. No, I don't. But I know the Spirit of God is more powerful than all of that put together. And I know the promise of God is that we will have a new life, an eternal life. The days of living in Christian ease is over in America, folks. It's over. We're about to join our brothers and sisters in China and other places who are being persecuted for what they believe. In Iran, who are being jailed and put to death for believing in Christ. We've lived a very comfortable, very lazy Christianity in America, but those days are over. The wolf is now at the door. Pray for those of us who lead in any capacity that God would give us courage. As I pray for you, that God would give you a cleanness of life and practice and heart and give you the courage to speak up in whatever environment you find yourself in. Our children are starving for truth in this generation and they're wide open. There's only a few Goliaths that claim that they have the power to keep us from being the people of God. But they don't. So I challenge you with all my heart, turn from sin, find that new life in Christ, and rise up and be the person that God's called you to be. We're going to sing for just a few moments. We're going to worship. I guess my other call is just twofold today. For people that say, Oh, God, help me, please, to turn from this thing in my life. I don't have to tell you what it is you already know. Help me to turn away from watching pornography. Help me to turn away from drink. Help me, God, to turn away from that flirtation in the office. 
help me, God. Help me, God, to stop railing. Get me off. Get me out of the seat of the scornful. And help me to walk with the righteous. Deliver me, God, from cowardice. And put a love for people in my heart that casts out all fear. Give me a voice to call this generation back to you again. And God, help me not to cower under the fear of the repercussions that will come all of our way. You know, I was in Washington, and there's an ex-general there who really gives courage to my heart every time I meet him and talk with him. And essentially, what he would say if he were standing here is, you have to fight for a cause higher than your own preservation. If it's just about preserving yourself, you'll flee when the enemy comes. If it's about others, you'll stand. May God give us the courage in this generation to stand for those that don't have a voice for themselves, for our children, for the unborn, for our high school students, for our college students, for every mother, every father, every child in this country that needs to know there's a Savior who died for them. Give us the grace to be kind and compassionate to all not judging anyone, we leave that to God, but reaching as far as we can reach into this mass of fallen humanity with this message of incredible grace that belongs to every person who turns to it through Jesus Christ. So Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you will today cause your kingdom to advance. You will give us the strength and courage that we now need as a people to stand against the onslaught of wickedness that wants to extinguish the testimony of your life and word. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for courage for your people as others throughout the world have had to have. God, deliver us, Lord, from this life of ease that so many of your people have known and bring us into the true fight for the souls of men. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. God, we yield our bodies today to this purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name. So we're going to stand in a moment. For those who just, you just know you have to turn from something. And for those who want to turn towards Christ, maybe you don't have a struggle that I'm talking about in your life, but you say, God, I'm stuck in neutral. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going back and I'm not going forward. But today you say, I want to make a difference. I want my life to count. I want my voice to have authority. If that's you, we're going to stand. I'm going to ask you to make your way here. We're going to pray together and believe God to answer our prayer. In the annex, you can make your way here. We'll wait for you in the campus churches. Step between the screens, if you will. We'll be back in just a moment. Every time I look at people at this altar, I see a mighty army of God.
Jesus, the wolf is at the door, and we just got to remember the word of God and pick up what God has said for us, and not let it be a wolf in our house, yeah, we don't want to join in with the world, with the things that they are saying is true, and it is what we can do, and they brought this thing about, it's your thing, do what you want to do. And so many people have adapted to that. Oh, it's my thing. If I want purple hair, I can wear it. If I want to walk butt naked, uh, naked, I can do it. Yeah, if I want to cut all my hair, eyebrows off, my breasts off, whatever I want to do to me, it's my thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. And people can accept it or not accept it. Never given a thought to what God may feel. Never given a thought to what God may think. Never given into a thought that what God has put in place in the earth for people. Never given it a, a thought. So they do what they want to do. And they've adopted all of these things and people just accepting it. And American people, we just don't say nothing about nothing. I found out about liberals and what they say. Uh... They think they're helping people who uh, who has never been helped in the country. 
I'm African American. So they think about doing all this weird stuff. They're giving me a chance. No, I had a chance when I was born, believe it or not. Whether I was born into slavery or whether I was born free, I had a chance because there is a God. Yeah. And in this country, you have still a separation. You still have separation. Now, we come in together and we got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these places, uh, TikTok. So you get to see a lot of things from other nationalities. And so a lot of times we bringing it together. I saw a, 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 a Spanish person do this, a Mexican person do this, and then I'm doing it. We we it, it's just that we came together. They have a new dance out, and they teaching everybody how to do the dance. So people from all over the world is doing the dance. There's a song or two out, and they dancing and singing to the song. People from all over the world are singing that same song and doing the same dance because of the internet. Because things have become more wide open. But we as a people, we should have adopted from our parents the right way to go. I adopted from my parents how to bring my children up. The world had become more wickeder and wiser than when I was a girl. So my children had to endure some things that I I didn't have to endure. But yet, it should be instilled in you as a child, I don't care what generation you is, what generation you're in, I'm sorry, you should have it in you that you want to do right, your parents taught you right, but we're in the world, and many want to be of the world, and they are of the world, so sometimes our children is doing what the world is doing, sometimes they add pressure, pressure to parents. Some parents can't afford an Xbox and all this stuff. Uh, 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 Jordans and, and, and Nike. Some parents can't afford it. So when the children is keep requesting this and they sad over it and they crying over it, this is what I want, and it, it put an extra added pressure on the parents because they're in the world. And they want to be of the world. They want what other children have. Yeah, it's a good thing to teach your children to be individuals. I can remember back in the day, I gave each one of my children $50. And it was tax time. And the first thing one said to me, can we go to the thrift store? I was like, what? We want to go to the thrift store because I wasn't—I ate biological children, but I wasn't buying thrift store clothes. When he said that, I said yes. Matter of fact, it was AL. I said, "Yeah, we can go." We went. They bought jeans. They bought there was a pair of pants in one place. AL went to another place and found a matching top. It didn't go together. I mean, it didn't come as a set. It wasn't a set. But he found it and put it together, and it was a nice set. Matter of fact, it was yellow, and he had a black turtleneck up under it, and he wore silver 
uh, chain around the, the turtleneck. I was like, now that is easy. He said, Thriftstore. <laughs> they were getting shoes at the Thriftstore. I'm like, who taught them this? Because I certainly did not. Matter of fact, many times when one wore something and it got too small for them, the next one couldn't wear it because it was too small for them too. <laughs> but you see, that come from being taught and that come from not uh, trying to be over the parents' budget because you know it's not there. You're paying attention. And I never got angry with my parents about what they couldn't afford. I just continued with what they provided. I was 12 and working. Yeah, with a dishwasher, wash pots at the farmer's market restaurant. And guess what? Took my money to my parents. Because they were paying bills. I, I didn't have any bills to pay. And I saw things I wanted, so when I told my mom, I got it. But I didn't really see a whole lot because my dad was already getting me many things that I wanted, shoes, clothes that I wanted. And so, and I wasn't into looking at fashion back then. Later on, you know, as I became older, 15, 16, I started looking at fashion, afros and big bangle earrings and uh, dresses and stuff like that. I started watching it then. But in my younger days, I could care less. And even when I was working, I really could care less. Yeah. But I thank God, I thank God that I had parents who taught. They didn't just tell us things, they taught us. And that's what this, these young adult parents are missing. Nobody taught them so they can't teach their own children. The TV is teaching them. What celebrity celebrities are doing are teaching their children. What NBA players and back, uh, uh, FLA players, uh, uh, NFL or whatever they whatever they're doing, that's what is teaching the children. No home values, and they say the children are our future. I used to hear people say, "Oh, them black children need to stop that because they played loud rap music." They dressed like rappers from uh, BET, MTV, and all of that. So a lot of people say, oh, they just come through here with all that loud music. And they're looking at them, and they're saying this, they're African-American. They're black children. But today, guess what? You see many more children, much more than black, who have adopted that. The rap industry, hip-hop, loud music, earpods. They, they can't do without certain things. This, this, this generation of people. Yeah. The, uh, the only way they can deal with being without is somewhere in that they, they, they had love for the person that was uh, uh, training them. I'm going to call it training. Who they was in the home with. So what happened is they, they have love for the person, so they see uh, 
that the person can't afford this or that. So they kind of adopt a little bit and say, okay. But then many times you'll find out they're in the mall stealing. They're in stores stealing. And that with a group of more children. And they're in Walmart just taking stuff and running it out and in other stores. But we have to instill in the children what's needed, right or wrong. That's what we have to instill in them, to teach them the true difference, the true meaning. And many people, the kids are messed up because they, they came into some money. And they gave too much. You can't give a child too much. Because if you give them too much, it's going to mess them up. And if you give them too little, it's going to mess them up. And then sometimes it's who they decide to associate with will mess them up. Because they know better. But this is what John Brown is doing. This is what Gail Moore is doing. And I like them. So I'm going to do what they do, yeah, and mess your child up. Your child messed themselves up. But we thank God this morning that the wolf can be anywhere he want to be. <laughs> We're not following the wolf. We have a risen Savior. God so loved us, he gave his only begotten son, that if we believe, we won't perish but have everlasting life. And it's not just believing on Jesus, but it's believing in the work that he has done. It's believing in the words that he has said. It's believing the patterns that he left for us. Yeah, believing is good. We must be believed. We must believe that he is. But we also must be doers of his word and not just hearers. It's okay to know the word, but knowing and doing it is two different things. I can know how to bake a cake. I got the recipe. But if I never put the butter and the the shortening and the sugar together and add flavor and flour, (laughs) eggs and milk, I won't have a cake. I might have to add sour cream. I might add pineapple, whatever it is, to the cake. But if I never do that, put the recipe together physically, I'm just knowing how to bake a cake. Same thing with the word. We can know it, we can quote it, but we must live according to it. We must apply his word to our everyday life. I can't be a Sunday believer, Wednesday night Bible study believer, uh, Tuesday night prayer meeting believer. <laughs> it, it's Sunday worshiper. I, that that won't work for me. I got to have it daily. Yeah, I need to be in the word daily. And many times if I don't get in there to read it, it's in there. I got to bring it up. I got to bring up the word. Yeah. And many times I see people going through the word come up in me concerning that. And I can tell God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I know your word. And your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I follow your word, I'm going in the right direction. And I'm going to end up in a good place. But if I don't allow your word 
and your spirit to lead and guide me, I'm going to end up somewhere I don't want to be. I'm going to make some bad choices. And before I come to the Lord, I see the difference. I see back then all of the bad choices I made and where I ended up in bad places. But because I went back to the drawing board, I went back to him. And he had a purpose for my life. He had a plan for my life. He brought me completely out and began to teach me. I began to hear what's been said, but see what's being done. And if what's being said and what's being done are two different things, I know it's not the truth. As believers, our heart and mouth must line up together. Our life must uh, uh, reflect what's in our heart, and we say we got God. You ask him to come into your heart and live. So it must reflect. And if it's reflected, that's so others can see. You, you, you're in the vineyard now. Yeah. And many are the harvest. And the harvest is plentiful. But the labors are few. So he don't have enough workers. He have enough people uh, putting on shows. He, he have enough people that's honor him with their lips, but their heart is far from him. So he needs some real workers. He needs somebody that's sold completely out to him and his word. He needs somebody that's sold out to seeking souls that he can draw unto him. Because as we lift him up, he'll draw. But we need to lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift up the name of Jehovah in the earth. Hallelujah. Yeah, and he will draw. But that's when we decide that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, and we're coming out. We're coming out, and we're going to stand on the solid rock, the solid foundation, which is the truth, which is the word of God. We're going to stand, and after standing, we're going to stand some more, because whatever he said his word out to do is truly going to do it. If he say he will save it, that's what it does. Many days, I think back to Apostle Paul. And teaching me not to be ashamed of the gospel. For Barbara's got power to save. Look at you. Look where you come from and look at you now. The word did that, Barbara. So no need to be ashamed of it. It has blessed you. It has worked miracles in your life. It has given you uncommon favor. Don't you want that for others? This is what I could imagine Apostle Paul saying to me. <laughs> I stepped out in faith. I talked of God's wondrous works. Yeah, I told everybody. I made known his deeds among the people. Yeah, the street people, the dope sellers, the ghetto. Because I always believe if God come back down through here, just taking a walk, just taking a stroll, I don't think he'll come in a limousine. I don't think he'll come in a Botany 500 suit. Amani or whoever the high in names are now. I don't think he'll come in that flourishing Stacy Adam. I don't think he'll come that way. I think if he came down through here, now he hit a place called Cleveland Arms. These project apartments. I think he'll go in Washington uh, uh, Heights and take a look over there. I think he'll come down through Hilltop. Yeah, I think he'll come down through these places because he's seeking that which is lost. Yeah, he'll go down where they call it the trap, the dope house. He'll go down in there because he's looking. 
for whoever's willing to receive it. Whoever want to come so that they can become workers of the vineyard, in the vineyard. They may not know it yet until he filled them with his spirit. A lot of things I didn't know until I received him. Once I received him, began to seek him with my whole heart. He diligent, I mean diligently, and then he rewarded me. Then I learned these things. He taught me these things. Because a lot of things the preachers couldn't teach me. Because they were too busy keeping you under their thumbs. Do as I say, not as I do. All kind of stuff. But when I made my choice to come out of the world, knowing that I'm in the world, but I didn't have to be of the world because I'm no longer in bondage to sin. I've been set free. Whom the Son set free, I feel all right right now. All whom the Son set free is free indeed. I don't have to obey no daddy the devil. I don't have to obey my flesh. I don't have to look around and say, oh, that's what they're wearing. I'm going to have to wear that too. Oh, this the hairstyles of today. I'm going to get me a hairstyle of today. I don't have to do all of that no more. I don't have to be concerned about what people say about me and my wardrobe. I don't have to have Sophia Loren glasses. I can just get me a pair that's going to hold a frame so I can see. I don't have to worry about Fendi anymore. I used to love that Fendi. There's nothing you could tell could have told me about Fendi. Today I can't help Fendi. Fendi have to do what they have to do because I'm doing what I can I can do. And I don't want to be a Fendi girl. Back in the day I I, I come out of Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Today, I don't have to have Michael Kors. I don't bought plenty of purses, but I gave them away. I don't have no time for all of that. I find me a nice purse on Amazon, nice purse at Walmart, because it's going to hold the amount of money I needed to hold and the things I needed to hold. I hear people talk about it all the time. You got a $1,000 purse and with three $1 bills in it. That's all you got in your wallet. Now, I don't want to look the part. If I'm going to be in all of that, I'm going to be the part. And we're not praying for stuff and things. We're praying that we get right in 2024, all the way right with Almighty God. Because time has wound up and it's continuing to wind up. We don't know the day nor the hour. And the way that we see this thing going, it could be in a second. And if he parts the sky, where will he find you? What will you be doing when he parts the sky? Where will you be when he come back? If he come in the next 10 minutes, what will he find you doing? On the job, what are you doing? Men who want to get married. Men who want what? Uh, a friend of mine called a husband. Oh, she tickled me when she said that. Oh, they want a husband. Yeah, not that it's against God's word. He put marriage together. He approved that. He honored marriage. But there are some other things, ladies, we need to be focused on. Gentlemen, we need to be focused on. And he won't withhold. See, this is what we miss it. He won't withhold no good thing from you. If you love him. If he saved you, he called you. Some of us are called and chosen. Oh, yes, we are. 
So if you give God your all and delight yourself in him, here come the husband. Here come the wife. Some men want children. Here come the children. Sometimes he'll bring a wife and give you no children, but uh, three doors down, they got some children that they don't even want. And if you go down and, uh, uh, you know, visit with them and see what's going on and pray, the Lord may give you some good children. Because the children down there don't want to be there because children know that these people raising me and things, they're crazy. They're not right. I don't want to be in this. I want to be like my teacher. My teacher's a good person. I want to be like the coach. He's a good person. I want to be like the lady in church sit uh, uh, two pews over. She's a good person. Because children can tell some things. Dogs can tell some things about people. Children see me, they just run to me. I'm like, oh, please get them. I can't take them home. Go keep your children to yourself. Dogs, they're barking, then they stop barking and wag their tail. Yeah, they know a good person, a good heart. Yeah, when they see the person. But we're in the world, not of the world. The wolf is already at the church door. What are we going to do? Keep the door locked or run the wolf away? I'd run him away. With sincere praise, with sincere worship, with sincere prayer, with walking upright before God, with living according to his word, the wolf would have to go because he don't like all of that. He don't like what's holy, what's clean, what's righteous. Hallelujah. I wanted to share this this morning, and uh, this is a message from Bishop G.E. Patterson, and the name of this one is The Lord Is, and I wanted to share that one with us this morning. We could not get enough word. And look, I promised to, I'm making a note right now, call the phone companies and see what they're doing, because the last time I checked, Days ago, they're still charging people a penny a minute. Why would you do that and they pay their monthly bill? Yeah. So I, I'm making myself a note now uh, to call them about the penny a minute. Yeah, because that, that, that's sad. That's sad. But that's another way where the enemy thinks he's going to stop people from getting the truth. It can't be done because yet we have the archives here and we yet have the podcast. You can, you can go to that uh, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning and listen. So he's not stopping nothing. You just have to make the time. But many want to be a part of, and I want them to be because we're used to each other, that faithful few here. Yeah, we got to over a million and something listens now. And so I'm thankful unto God for that. And we want to spread the word even more every now and then. I go, and when I see the different countries, it just do my heart good. Hallelujah. And we're reaching out to even more. Yeah. Even more. I like to get some people from Venezuela in here. Here in different places. Hallelujah. We got Sister Irene Faithful every morning all the way from Australia. If you go to Jesus in the morning, um, page or group over on Facebook, you'll get to see Sister Irene in a commercial. Several times they showed her <laughs> doing a commercial, and then she's at the table 
uh, with some of her seniors, and they're getting ready to have lunch, or they had lunch. And I said, well, what did you eat? She said, I ate bang and mash. I'm like, what is that? She said, it was a sausage with gravy over mashed potatoes. And what I thought, it was served with green peas. Some people call it green peas. Sweet peas is what I call it. Uh, in the can, we, we buy English peas. Yeah, they're green, little green peas. The sweet peas, I love them too much. Yeah, I love them a lot. So go take a look over there and check Sister Irene out in the commercial and at the table uh, with her seniors. Yeah. And so we thank God. We thank God this morning. And we're going in to take a listen to Bishop G.E. Patterson, G Bishop Gilbert Earl Patterson, uh, and his message, The Lord Is. the name of the Lord. God, we thank you because you are our refuge, our hiding place in the time of trouble, and we bless your name. Oh, God, we ask today you would just anoint these lips of clay, and we might speak a word that will bless your people at whatever stage they may be in. And we take no credit for anything you do, but we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. Through Christ our Lord, amen and amen. Before you sit down, just tell three people he is my refuge. <laughs> Take your seat if you can. Hallelujah. Mm. You know, this powerful message and song written and recorded by our own minister of music, Elder Carlos Moody. That song 
And if you don't have that CD, you need to stop by the bookstore and pick it up. But I don't know, for me, that song is probably the most powerful out of the many scores of songs he's written since his recording of Lord, I'm Available to You. And we do praise God for the anointing upon that word and that ministry. I want to not be lengthy today. And by the way, those of you who are wondering where Sister Patterson is, she's in California today. She went to um, um, sit in uh, for the last four days or so with Mother Barbara McCoo Lewis and the um, Women's Conference of Southern California Number One. And uh, so she's due back sometimes tomorrow. And I'm due out sometimes this evening. <laughs> Let, I know this is Sunday morning, but, but um, I got to do the way I lay it. Last Sunday I preached like it was Sunday morning. Today I'm going to pretend it's Tuesday night. Do you have your Bibles with you? Not that I don't trust you, but hold them up. Let me see them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We want to go to the book of the Psalms. And we want to begin with Psalm 27. I want you to allow your Bibles to remain open. I, I had no idea as I listened even um, to the time of praise and worship and the music thus far. Uh, because I really don't get with the choir, uh, with the minister of music, maybe once or twice a year uh, in order to instruct them as to the music that I want. It would seem coincidental, but I think it's always ordered by the Spirit that there are those times when their music and my intended message coincide. And this seems to be one of those days. But I want you to look at Psalm 27 and just Read with me the first line. Come on, let's read it together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Stop. I, I want to talk to you from the theme this morning. The Lord is. The Lord is. Now, what he is to you and what he is to me uh, is based upon 
our individual experience with him. There are some people who can testify to the Lord being something to them that he has never had to be to me. And yet I can testify about the many things that he has been to me. As I have now entered into my 48 and a half years as a gospel preacher, 43 and a half years in the pastoral capacity right here in Memphis, I preached that he was a God of prosperity. And after so many years, he allowed me to know it, not just from what I preach in the Bible, but he allowed me to experience a degree of it and walk in it. I preach that the Lord is a healer. And yet for about 64 years of my life, uh, only with just little quick instances here and there, uh, things that would happen. But I didn't really know him, even though I preached it as a healer, until his healing power began to be demonstrated in my life. I can't say what he is to you. But I want you to know that whatever you need, he is exactly that. Now, now I've said it to you so many times that um, the Bible, even though it has so much accurate history, it is not really a book of history. Uh, the Bible indicates some specific locations of one city in respect to another. But it is not really a book of geography. The Bible speaks of many numbers. God reducing the numbers for Gideon. God multiplying numbers, but it is not a book of mathematics. The Bible is a book of faith. And because it is a book of faith, the Bible does not even attempt to prove to us the existence of God. The Bible does not bring up a lot of causes and, uh, you know, attempt to deduce from one thing that there must be a God because of this particular thing or that. It just simply opens with the declaration, in the beginning, God. And it shows God as the creator of the heavens and the earth. And then the Apostle Paul takes it up in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. 
where in the latter part of that verse, or really maybe right in the center of it, he says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now his next statement is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But before you can seek him with diligence for whatever the need may be in your life, you got to first of all come to grips with the fact that he is. You cannot spend your life as a human question mark wondering, is there a God? Well, if there is a God, how did he become God? How, how couldn't somebody else have been God? You know, where did he come from? Who made him? You know, all such, the apostle said, foolish and unlearned questions just avoid. <laughs> Understand that uh, you just got to accept by faith that he does exist. Uh, it was a story told of uh, Napoleon Bonaparte that he, in leading his um, armies, that one night sitting around a campfire, discussion came up among his generals uh, concerning whether or not there was a God. And when they got through coming to the conclusion that no God existed, uh, the story goes that Napoleon stood up and just asked the question, well, gentlemen, you may conceivably be right when you say there is no God, but if there is no God, who made those stars? And the Bible says what the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. And even if you don't know him any other way, you've got to know that the laws of nature are the most precise laws that they are. Somebody is behind the law of nature. Earlier than Psalm 27, the psalmist declares and he proclaims that the Lord is. Long before we get to the Lord is my life. In fact, I want you, as I said, with your Bible open, to just go back as far as Psalm 3. And we're going to let our fingers do just a little walking through the Word today. In Psalm 3, as he talks about the multiplicity of things that God is. Look at verse 3. He says, are you with me? But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, the glory and the lifter up of my head. So as we walk through this, some of you are going to see what the Lord has been and what he is to you. He's a shield. In other words, he's the one that uh, is round about you 
And when the enemy would have cut you down, who was it that shielded you on every side? So he says, the Lord, thou art my shield. And then he brings in another word, my glory. Because if there's anything at all that the devil wants to do, the devil wants to bring all of us down in shame. And if you glory in who you are, if you glory in what you have accomplished, if you glory in who you know, if you glory on the people that you can touch, all of that can come to nothing. But what keeps me from being wrapped in shame is that he is my glory. And when I would be embarrassed, when I would have to hang my head in sorrow, and you got to understand, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you and what anybody thinks about you. If you've got the Lord living on the inside, you don't have to walk with your head down because the folk around you got more money, because they think they're prettier than you are, because they think they're positioned better than you are. You have somebody that gives you a cause to. Oh, hallelujah. He's the lifter up of my head. Turn the page. Come to Psalm 10. Now, in verse 16, he tells me something else about the Lord. The Lord is what? King forever and ever. You ever see people that, that get into certain positions and they think they are yet? We, we've had to do a whole lot of praying lately. Because scandal has brought down politicians throughout our city, our county, our state. And we've known of presidents that it brought down. My, my. I used to sing a song when I was a little boy growing up that I don't care how high you fly. God's got a way to bring you down. And usually when you see people brought down, in most instances, it is because they did not have the intelligence to put God on the throne. You know, it's not how great I am, it's how great thou art. And if you keep him where he's supposed to be, because it doesn't matter who doesn't believe in him, you can't bring him down because you don't believe in him. People walking around talking about they're atheists and I don't believe there is no God. It's, what if some did not believe? Would that make the faith of the Son of God without effect? He's real whether you believe it or not. He's real whether we accept him or not. He is king 
not for a moment, but forever. If y'all waiting for me to do something else, I'm sorry to y'all. As far as I'm concerned, it's Tuesday night. Turn the page. Turn to Psalm 18. When I get through with this, I'm going to sit down. Oh, I really love this one. In Psalm 18, listen to what he says in verse 2. The Lord is my rock. Now, now why does he choose a rock? Because you understand that everything else in nature uh, is indicative of change. The tide of the ocean, the tide comes in. The tide goes out. The sand washes away. The trees grow old and they die. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Glory to God. But what is there in nature that remains firm? The rock. It is the emblem of stability. That's why Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he even talked about uh, the difference in a person who builds the house on a rock and the one who builds it on the sand. The, the sand castle may look good, but it has no foundation. And when the rain descends and when the wind blows, that house, no matter how beautiful it is, it's going to fall. But when you build that house on a rock, let the wind blow. Let the lightning flash. Let the thunder roll. When the storm is over, it'll yet be standing because it is built on a rock. And Jesus said, now when you uh, hear my sayings and do them, you are like the man that built his house on the rock. But the sad thing today, what is happening in our world, is that people are trying to build their life. They're trying to build their uh, vocation. They're trying to build everything by not acknowledging him. But when all is said and done, nothing is going to stand but that which is standing on the solid rock. I was just a youngster coming along. We had another song on Christ, the solid rock I stand. I know right now uh, some of the other religions might seem like uh, they're overtaking Christianity, Islam, and Scientology, and all of the other isms that are out there. But I hear the Lord saying, don't worry about it. My name is Alpha. He said, I was here before they got here. And then I got another name. My last name is Omega. <laughs> and when everything else is gone, he said, I'll yet be here. The Lord is my rock. And then he's my fortress. Hmm. When I think in terms of a fortress, Think in terms of that secure place. 
I was growing up, they used to have a whole lot of, you know, what they call cowboy movies on. And, uh, and those days out in the wild west, uh, when you had the uh, society that they referred to, you know, the white man and the Indian. And really now we've learned better and we know that they are Native Americans. And that Columbus really didn't discover America. He couldn't discover something that was already populated. <laughs> but out in the wild, they are galloping and they felt, you know, I can't get caught out here. But if I can make it to the fortress, if I can make it to the fort, if I can make it to the place that is secure, then uh, my life will be spared. And I want you to know that the devil, uh, he's out there. The Bible talks about the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the enemy. And you're lost in the wilderness of demonic tricks. But if you can make it to Jesus, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous do what? Run into it. And there is safe. A lot of folks wonder why we call that name so much. You don't have to get to a physical place. All you got to do is run into the name. You, you can have problems. My God, I heard Mother Wall tell once uh, uh, years ago that when she used to have to walk from where the church was to home and got into an area, I think, down by a railroad track one night and uh, a man was you know, she just knew that he was getting ready to do violence to her physically, rape or whatever else. And she didn't say nothing but Jesus. And he had to go the other way. You got a lot of folk that call his name that don't even know him. But there's a power about his name. There's something about his name that, that when demons hear it, they tremble. Psalmist said, the Lord is my rock, and then he's my fortress. He's my deliverer. That, that means that, that when I'm in it, I'm already locked up, locked up in a habit, locked up, hallelujah, in a situation that I really don't want to be in, trying my best to escape, but I don't have the wisdom to get out of it. But the Lord is my deliverer tell somebody that means he'll bring you out does anybody in here know him as a, a deliverer is anybody in here that can say he really brought me out he's my rock he's my fortress he's my deliverer and then he's my god and he's my strength i'm still in verse two of chapter 18. He's my strength. Anybody, you ever been weak? Just didn't see how you were going to make it? And, and then you didn't know where strength was coming from. But when you were getting ready to confess weakness, you read in the word where it said, let the weak say, I'm strong. I'm not strong in myself, but I'm strong in him. Y'all sit down. 
my strength, and he's my buckler. This is still talking about another kind of a shield. Basically, uh, when it talks about the shield, it's usually talking about the body shield. That's about the height of maybe a little higher than a man and the width of maybe a little wider than a man. And the buckler is like a shield that they wore on their wrists that where, you know, when they got in the combat close up, they could turn it in whatever direction that they needed. Then he is the horn, oh my God, of my salvation. He is the stronghold. My salvation isn't in me, but my stronghold, the one that keeps me, even when I don't have the strength or sense to keep myself. He's the horn of my salvation. Then he's my high tower. And then I drop down to verse 46 just before I leave chapter 18. And he says, what? The Lord liveth. You don't have to worry about him dying. <laughs> the Lord that I serve, he's a living God. Don't let nobody ever fool you and make you think that he's a dead Jew somewhere on a Palestinian hillside that the disciples stole and hid. No, he's alive. He lives. And I look back again to verse 2 where it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And that's why he says, when you couple that with verse 46, he is alive. That's why I can say, I will call upon the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. There was a time we used to sing that. I think back when Sister Myrna was with us. You know, I will call upon the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemy. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Well, when I get to Psalm 20, verse 1, here the psalmist portrays the Lord as he who hears in the day of trouble. Listen to what he said. The Lord heard, or the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Anybody in here can say the Lord is he that heard me in the day of my trouble. Turn the page. I'm halfway finished. Turn and get to Psalm 23. Oh, I think you don't even need to look at that one. But in Psalm 23, I'm here talking about the Lord is. David presents the Lord, huh, as his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What does he do? He makes me lie down. 
in green pastures. Can you imagine? Here the shepherd is leading the sheep. And he doesn't carry him out somewhere where he's got dead grass and weeds. And he's got to nitpick to get a blade of green over here. And then keep on until he finds another blade of green. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm leading these sheep. But he said, the Lord's leading me. And he brings me right out into the middle of a green pasture where everything around me is edible. Everything around me. You know, when, when you really, when you really let your ways please the Lord, he places you where you can eat the good of the land. My God, everything around you. He blesses your family. He blesses your job. He, he, my God, he, he blesses your finance. He blesses you when you go to worship. Don't fool yourself. You all are so used to divine worship here until you take it for granted. You know, you, you take a Sunday that, that may be a little slower than the one before and I don't know what's wrong. The, the choir, they ain't, they ain't now at it today. And Bishop, he seemed to be a little off today. You'd be surprised how many churches where folk don't ever really get a pure word. They go to church feeling bad. And when they hear the sermon, they leave feeling worse. Because it's not God that's being magnified. Now, that's not to say that everybody who walked through these doors come in and go out happy. Uh, but if you come in and go out and you're not happy, it's because you're focusing on something else. <laughs> you're not focusing on the worship. Because when you focus on the worship, you can't help but go out of here with a lift. Glory to God. Jesus is lifted up and he's magnified and he's glorified. David said, he's my shepherd. He sits me down in a green pasture. And then he leads me beside still waters. They tell me sheep don't like to drink. I won't even drink from a troubled stream. But the water's got to be peaceful. That's why most things that deal even with the business side of the church, things that might ruffle the water. I deal with those kind of things on Saturday meeting, behind closed doors. Yeah. Sometimes you sit and wonder, why, why this and why that? We don't deal with it. Because some places when they get through trying to bring everything before the congregation, the water is so troubled until it gets muddy. And you can't drink. <laughs> That's why I don't like the deal. I don't deal with junk over the pulpit and don't want nobody else dealing with it. And then out of all of the preachers we bring in, I do my best to not bring in fighting preachers. Because you bring in preachers that like to fight. They don't do nothing but muddy up the water. 
God's sheep. Now, goat can drink anything, but God's sheep got to have still water. And then he says, after he gets through doing that, he gives restoration to my tired soul. He restores my soul. Sometimes the calves of this life, the thing that you're attempting to grapple with, can beat you down so uh, until you come to church and, and look like the music is going and everybody else is praising God, but what you've been going through, you, you're just tired. Your spirit is tired. Your, your body is tired. Your soul is tired. And all of a sudden, you don't ever know where it's going to come from. It may be a word from the pulpit. It may be a song from the choir. Uh, it may be a word that comes from the person sitting next to you. But just something that drops in your spirit. And God uses that thing to restore you. And when you walked in the door thinking about giving up, the next thing you know, he has lifted. That, 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 that's, that's, what, that's what New Testament prophecy is all about. Go back there in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 9. It talks about... You know, he that before time in Israel was called a seer is now called a prophet. Uh, you know, the seer, the prophet, used to have to look and predict the future. And I don't know of anything that's messed up the body of Christ now like people trying to be Old Testament prophets and predict your future. But see, in Nehemiah 6 and 7, it says, I have appointed prophets to preach of thee. Uh, so Ezekiel 37, where it says, Son of man, can these bones live? Uh, the Lord said prophesy, which simply meant preach to the bones. Prophecy starts off meaning predicting the future, but it comes on down to just being preaching. And by the time you get to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries, and no man understandeth him. But he that prophesieth, Speak it unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And when God gives you a prophetic gift, he just puts a word in your mouth where somebody, one of your brothers or sisters, that, that soul is tired, and God just gives you to say a word that will give them edification, exhortation, or comfort. And, and, and you cannot be afraid when God puts it in your spirit to say a word of prophecy to a brother or sister, do it. You'll lift them up. Now, when you start telling them, honey, something bad going to happen to you, you ain't speaking out of the mouth of God because he tells you to bless and curse not. He restores my soul. And then he leads me away from evil into the paths of righteousness. That's what a shepherd does. He, he leads you into the path of righteousness so you don't have to fear evil. Oh, I know we're living in a day when people call right wrong and call wrong right. But the Lord wants to lead you away from evil and lead you into the paths of righteousness. And then another thing he says that the Lord is, He's my companion in the valley and even in the shadow of death. 
I may be going through some low places. I wish you'd tell somebody, living for the Lord is not always a mountaintop experience. Sometimes you got to go through the valley. But you got to understand, now when you go through the valley, the Lord promised that I'm with you. Some people only think God is with them when they're on the mountain, when they're running and shouting and dancing and speaking in tongues. But, but when those times come that maybe the bills are high and the money is low, maybe pain is in your body and look like it won't leave soon enough, and look like you got more enemies than you have friends, and the devil try to tell you it's because you've done something wrong and God have left you. But I'm here to tell you, even when you are in the valley, he says, I'm with you in the valley and even in the shadow of death. That's why I say he never has left me alone. By night and by day, he's with me when? Always. He never has left me alone. Hallelujah. In the valley and in the shadow of death, he's with me. And then finally, he presents the Lord as the preparer of a table of blessings. Even when I'm surrounded by enemies. God don't care nothing about enemies. The attitude of your enemy doesn't change God's opinion of you. Enemies that don't, look, don't like you and don't want to be in your presence. And if you're not careful, they make you feel like you're less than who you are. But the Lord says, David said he'll prepare a table for me. Even in the presence of my enemy. And the thing about it, when God set the table, he doesn't pull out a long table and then give you a half a ham sandwich. But when he prepares a table, he sets up a banquet. Hallelujah. He prepares a table where you can eat. Even Jesus, when they were out in the wilderness and, 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 and he said, y'all got anything for this crowd? They said, no, we don't have nothing and don't even have enough money. But he said, all right, make them sit down in companies of 50s and let them sit where? On the green grass, right back to the grass. He, he puts his sheep on the green grass. My, 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 my. Uh, Deacon Golden, when I think about it, I, I think about how beautiful you got the lawn out there. He, he, he brings us on some beautiful manicured green lawn. Sit you down. And then tell the disciples, pass out the food. And even though it started with two fish and five loaves, it concluded by them saying they did all eat and were filled. They didn't just get a bite, but they ate till they were full. And then when they got through it, there was enough left over. Twelve baskets for the little boy uh, to take back home to his mother. And that's the same thing David says. Says he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemy. And then the next thing he does, he pulls out an overwhelming anointing. He anoints my head with oil until my cup runs over. 
I wish you'd tell somebody, the Lord is he who propounds the table before me, even in the presence of my enemy. And then he turns around and gives me an overwhelming anointing. Surely. I, I don't want to do that, but surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Woo! I look over here, Sister Johnny Jeffries, and next to her, Mother Freddie Bell, and Next to Mother Bell over there, my 104-year-old aunt that can say for 104 years, <laughs> goodness and mercy have been following me. I wish you'd tell somebody, I don't know how long you're going to live, but for as long as you live, he's the one that will call goodness and mercy to follow you all of the days of your life. Ah, when it's all over, and when it's all over, I'm going to dwell. I'm almost finished. Psalm 24, here he is presented, or rather the psalmist presents the Lord as the owner of the universe and everything in it. Folk wondering, what's wrong with y'all? Why don't y'all sit down sometime? Why don't you shut up and be quiet? What you running and jumping and screaming and hollering for? Because the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. He owns the universe, the whole world, and everything in it. And, and because I am in this world that he made, I'm breathing the breath that he gave me. Don't forget he's the strength of my life. That's the reason why I can't help but praise him. Praise him because if everything in the world belongs to him and I'm in this world, I, I belong to him. And he told me in the book of Isaiah that he said, I created you for my glory. If I don't praise him, I'm not doing what he made me for. The Lord is. In our text from Psalm 27, he said, The Lord is my light. You don't have to grope in the darkness because he is your light. And I heard the uh, Apostle John, I believe it in 1 John 1 and 5, says, In him is no darkness. You got to understand that. You can't be his 
and walk in darkness. You, you got to cast off the unfruitful works of darkness because he's your light. Mm. They used to have a song that said the light done come and you can't hide. People can hide running and ducking and dodging in dark places. But the Bible said they love darkness rather than light because of their evil deeds. But if you are really his child, if you can really say I'm a child of the king, you got to understand that he is your light. Well, what do you mean? I believe it's Psalm 119 and 105 verse that says the Lord is my light. Or rather, thy word was found. And uh, I did eat them. And I'm still working my way to what that really says. It says, thy word is a lamp under my feet and a light on my path. You got people today, they're trying to live according to their imagination. They're trying to keep up with the mores of the time. They're trying to do what their neighbors do. But if you are a child of his, you've got to walk in the light of his word. There are some things that Jesus taught that we got to take a new look at. He taught against lying. Folk that are that serving God, you got to speak truth because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. Too many folk trying to get over by lying. Liars walk in darkness. But if you are in the light, you got to learn how to tell the truth. All of the evil that goes on in the world is depicted by the apostles as darkness. But you are not children of darkness. You are children of the light. And when your light is on your path, when you're living according to his word, you walk in the light. Doesn't matter how dark the world is, you stay in the light. The light of the Heavenly Father. The light of the Son of God. The light of God's Holy Word. Walk in the light. The beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Shine around me by day and by night. Jesus is the light of the world. Do anybody know him? Tell somebody he's my light. Oh, he's, oh, he's my light. Hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. The Lord is the strength of my life. He's my everything this morning. And uh, I'm grateful unto him. Thank God for Bishop G.E. Patterson, uh, the late Bishop G.E. Patterson. Uh, he passed away some years ago. But the word, the message of God still lives on because what he preached is still here. 
And so we thank for unto Almighty God. Good morning to you, Sister Jerry. God bless you this morning, Sister Dorothy Goodman, Sister Irene, Sister Rita. Good morning to you. God bless you today. And uh, we thank God, Sister Jerry. I'm calling uh, later on in the morning to find out about that penny a minute thing. And I know uh, you and many others have said that, you know, you spend a few pennies a day in a soda or icy from McDonald's or something. But I, I don't think it's right to get a plan and you have the full plan <clears throat> and you're paying your phone bill every month and then they tell you how long you can stay on your phones. Yeah, I don't I don't see no right in that. So I'll be calling the day. But listen again, we thank God for the word this morning. The title of the message is The Lord Is. Again, the late Bishop G. E. Patterson. And I believe uh, Sister Patterson, Louise, I believe she's going to be with the Lord as well. But uh, we thank God for the experiences of the word and uh, the things he left behind that we can continue to lift up the name of Jesus and we can continue to grow in God from the message that God gave him and he was blessed to leave it behind for us. Listen, if you have a prayer request today, um feel free to hit me on Facebook, uh, Jesus in the Morning, and the Prayer Club, the Prayer Request Club on Facebook, and we will be glad to lift you up in prayer, whatever your situation is. Good morning to you, LaShawn. God bless you this morning. I got your text. <laughs> Thank God for you. Thank God for you. And we'll get together soon. I wanted to uh, warm up a little bit more. And uh, hopefully we can meet over in Tinseltown or somewhere over there and uh, just have a good time. I got a friend named Gwen. I don't think she lived too far. And uh, I want to get with her, Gwen Lewis. And uh, we sit and have lunch and laugh and talk and talk about the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. And we never know how God is going to show up. Many times I've gone to lunch and dinner with people and God showed up at the table. I'm looking at the menu that chose me something delicious to eat. <laughs> and the Lord show up at the table. Yeah, well, he was there all the time because when we came in, he came in with us. But then he began to use my mouth to be a blessing unto somebody. I remember a waiter one time, I think it was Dot, me, Kate, and Sion. And I don't know, Shantae could have been with us. And we went to Cheddar's in Kissimmee. And you remember that? And the waiter showed up at the table, and I'm looking, and the Lord's showing me things. So y'all know I had to be obedient, just open my mouth, and he just spoke in a situation, and she was so happy. She was so happy, you see? And I like all that kind of carried on. I, 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 I like a basketball game, but the only kind of basketball I like is and one. It's not structured. Them boys get out there. And they do with their natural talent. You know, you're not going by no basketball NBA rules. You out there playing the game. And that's the way I like for God to show up. Just show up, Lord. Hey, glory. Because when he shows up, they told me he shows out. But I know when I show up, it's him that will show out through me. Hallelujah. I'm grateful unto him. Listen, uh, Sister Irene, I'm, I'm looking. I just... 
I had to get the sausage because I like beef sausage. So I had to get the sausage, but I'm making that bang and mash today, I think. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and make it and uh, see what it's like. It will be my first time having it. And uh, that's a great recipe you sent to me. So I'm going to go ahead and use that today. And I have bang and mash for dinner uh, with some sweet peas. Hallelujah. I don't need no bread and nothing else with it. Maybe a light salad, a little light salad. And uh, that would be it. Hallelujah. Listen, the studio is open. If anyone has something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. We're going to our next song of the morning. Lift your hands and tell God, thank you all over this room. What an honor it is to know Jesus. Oh, he's the lily of the valley. He's the bright morning star. He'll hear you when you call him. Really? How far you are If Jesus Will go with you
hallelujah, hallelujah, Bishop Roberson this morning. And uh, I just like Bishop Roberson. I can't help myself. And one thing I like about him, if you're going to come in church with him, you're going to have to get up and praise God. He don't like nobody sitting down on him now <laughs> because he's giving God all he have in the music department and in his singing. So he wants you to come with him. And I thank God for men of God like this and are grateful unto the Lord for another day. Thank him for Wednesday. Hallelujah. January the 17th. 2024. I thank him for this new day. He didn't have to do it, but he did. He didn't have to give me another chance uh, to wake up this morning and give him praise. Yeah, to remember him today. And I want to delight myself in him. It's some things I'm seeking him for. So if I delight myself in him, he said he'd give me the desires of my heart today. Hallelujah. But he must be first. And all things. We're going to give him the first fruit of everything in our lives. Our life should be the first fruit to him. Hallelujah. And so I'm thankful unto him. Appreciate him. I love him this morning. I can't make it without him. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good in him. Hallelujah. Was blessed yesterday. Um, it's cold in Florida. <laughs> well, it's cold in Fleming Island, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. It is cold. And so they gave a freeze warning, and y'all know I had to go out there and check it out. Freezing cold. And they said the wind chill factor is even lower. <laughs> so I think it was around 30 this morning. That's cold for here. And so yesterday I was blessed to get me a few uh, winter things. I'm, I'm going over to the uh, Potter's house. And I already joined the gym. I'm just going over there to start going to the gym. I got to see what time they open in the morning so I can get on over there before the show start and get back uh, in time to shower and, you know, get dressed for the day and start the morning show. So, yeah, I'm looking at a gym to work out. I don't. I, I want to walk over here. Uh-uh. Lion, tigers, and bears, no, I won't be able to do it. But uh, I can walk where it's safe, yeah. So that come to me. Uh, yesterday, go to the gym. You got a free membership. Go on over there. And plus, it's uh, over at the Potter's House. Now, across from it, they sell the Potter's House food. They got a restaurant. I won't be participating. I went one time, and uh, this been years ago. And when I went that one time, it wasn't my taste buds didn't appreciate it. So I said I'll never go back again. But I am going to try that gym out and uh, see if I can work out and feel better with the knees and everything. Because when I walk, it feels better. Yeah, I just don't want to walk over here, I guess. But I am going to walk on the treadmill or just walk around the gym. You know, you can just walk and make your laps. And if you're not, not doing anything and you start to do a little something, it's going to show up. If you sit home in a chair and just do a few things in that chair, it will show your body will show the improvement. Yeah, I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. So we thank God this morning for uh, him leading and guiding us and uh, telling us things that we can do to help us. And uh, we're grateful unto him again this morning. Thankful, thankful. We appreciate him. We love him today. Oh, yeah, he's a great God. Jehovah on our side. Care for us. He said, cast your cares upon him. But he cares for you. What are your cares this day? 
cast them upon him. Tell him about it. You have not because you ask not. Have you gone to him and asked him about whatever it is that's somewhat on your mind or on your heart? Tell God about it and watch what happens. Trust him and have the patience to wait on him. Yeah, he's coming. I'm telling you, I prayed about something yesterday sitting in my spot, you know, in the garage. And came home back in the house. In a few minutes, I saw he had moved. I said, look at God. I said, Lord, I thank you. All I got to do is wait on you. Yeah, so if we have the patience to wait, God will bless us. Good morning to you, Thelma Mosley. God bless you. And I hope you're tuning in today. And uh, yes, ma'am, it is cold out there. Don't stay in if you can. If you don't have to go nowhere, stay in. I spoke to Erica yesterday, and she was telling me, stay in, Barbara. If you don't have to go nowhere, stay in. But I did end up at Walmart and had a wonderful shopping experience with Shantae yesterday. And uh, last night, we got to do some laughing, <laughs> some laughing and things. <laughs> and God is just good. God is just good. And I wouldn't take nothing for my baby, Shante. I wouldn't take nothing for her. And I got my spoon, y'all. I keep my spoon. Gary, say, you crazy. No, I have to keep my spoon to keep Shante in line. Yeah, yeah. Keep it in line. Keep it in Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. And I pull that spoon out. She changed a whole nother tune. Yeah. Because she can't fight me back. I'll be the one whapping, whapping, and she can't fight back. So she changed her tune right quick. Yeah. So we thank God. I'm happy this week that he is, and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. And uh, he has diligently seeking him pays off. That's what I'm going to tell you. It pays off. The songwriter says, serving the Lord, it'll pay off after a while. I believe that. Because I've had that experience, serving him, obeying him, giving up your flesh for spiritual things. Yes. If we suffer with him, we can reign with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, yeah. So listen, uh, if no one else has anything else they would like to say, I'm going to our last song of the morning. And uh, when we come back, we'll come back with our prayer. And uh, we'll pray out today. And we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah. So let's go to this one. Another one by Bishop Robertson. And this one is called Power Lord. I like this one, too. Rushing wind, it filled the house in this 
Jesus. We come before you this morning thanking you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for every call and every listener. And Father, as we depart this morning, we ask that you would bless our households, bless our family members, our friends near and far. Father, we ask that you would lead and guide us in the right path this day, not for our name's sake, but for your name's sake. 
whatever we stand in the need of today. Lord, we ask that you would meet the needs, supply today. If it's money, if it's a place to live, whatever it may be, a job, God, our children, husband or wife, whatever it may be, mom, dad, sister, brother, whatever it is, grandmama, granddaddy, move today, oh God, for the sake of your people, in the name of Jesus. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it right now. We thank you. We thank you right now for what you're doing for us. And Father, those of us that are sick, ask that you would touch and heal today in the name of Jesus. Father, you took a beating for the healing of the nation. There's yet healing in the hymn of your garden. And Father, you heal all manner of sickness and disease. Do it for your people today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you. Ask that you bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch, in every branch of the military, Widows, bereaved families, intercessory prayer people. Father, preachers everywhere, preaching in the name of Jesus and obedience unto you and love for your people. We ask that you would bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem. Bless all our brothers and sisters overseas today. But Father, you know what they stand in the need of. Supply God like never before in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you this morning for these United States of America. God, they wanted to separate themselves and just be called United States. But God, you know what you did, and we respect what you've done. We accept what you allowed. And so, Father, we ask that you would continue to bless America in the leadership. But God, we ask that you would fix our leadership. And God, they would remember you. And that, Lord, they would let you come in and lead and guide them. That this country can come back to you. For you have blessed America. But, God, Americans have turned their back on you. Forgive us, oh God, this morning. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And, Father, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Bless our going out today. Lord, bless our coming in. Again, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. And, Father, we ask it again in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves the cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, January 17, 2024. And look, this month is getting on out of here. 17 days already. It looked like I was just celebrating New Year a few days ago. It was a few days ago, but that time is running out. Listen, I have one last request, and after this one, I won't be coming back. God bless you this morning. I thought I touched it. Oh, come on, stop. All right.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.